T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And here come the pretzels. It's Chris Ranji on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Ooh, I like Odyssey. That sounds cool. Uh, it is, it, by the way, it's not like Odyssey, it's Odyssey. So radio.com is now Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. So it's the Odyssey app, it's the Odyssey website, and it powers 670 The Score, where you can listen to us live anytime, anywhere, maybe even if you're in the middle of the ocean, I don't know. Uh, actually, do you get cell service in the middle of the ocean? Do they, do they have cell towers on cruise ships? This is a I, I don't know. I, honest to God, don't know the answer to this. Do you get cell service in the middle of the ocean? Have they figured out a way? Because I've never been on a cruise. So um, that's why I don't know the answer to this question. And uh, there's a lot of stuff I just don't know. Here's what I do know. You want me to Google it? I'll Google it. I I mean, I could Google now, but, you know, I'd have to stop and type, and people would have to listen to me typing. And, I mean, maybe that's better for some people than me talking, but go ahead and Google it, Adam. Studzinski, who is producing the show tonight, you get a bonus hour of me, at least as far as I'm concerned, because originally I was supposed to be on until 9. You get me until 10 o'clock tonight, so it's an extra hour, and it's all for free for you, which is the great thing about radio. It is totally, totally free. We want you to check in with us tonight at 312-644-6767. That is both our listener line and our text line. So if you want to text the show, you can do that, and we'll talk. We'll, we'll have a wrap. We'll have a chat. We are broadcasting live from the 670 The Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Here's who's on the show tonight. Cody Westerland, who covers the Bulls for 670thescore.com, will join us. We'll talk about the first couple of games for Vooch and see what his thoughts are and how the team doesn't look good defensively. I can tell you that much. And I think you have probably seen it for yourself. There have been some issues, and there's a settling process that has to happen, right? Hopefully that's what it is. Um, But we also kind of figured they were going to have some defensive issues moving forward. Still a good trade. I think most people will agree with that. And we'll, we'll talk to Cody about what he thinks about the Bulls moving forward. Lawrence is going to visit with us. Lawrence Holmes. He's going to jump on the show. We're just going to talk. No big whoop. You and me and Lawrence. We're going to hang out for a little bit at 720. At 8 o'clock, James Fegan, who covers the White Sox for the Athletic, will be with us as the Sox have concluded 
all of their exhibition play. They are getting ready for baseball, which will happen for them and for the Cubs on Thursday. And speaking of the Cubs, Evan Altman from CubsInsider.com, who is the uh, editor of that site, he is going to join us at 9 o'clock. And let's start with them, and let's start there with the Chicago Cubs and the current Anthony Rizzo situation. I'm sure you probably already know, but if you have not been paying attention to what's happened over the last 24 hours, Anthony Rizzo will start this season without a contract extension with the Cubs. He was hoping to get something done. The two sides appear to be kind of far apart at the moment. The Cubs apparently not offering him what he thought he was worth. And the report from Ken Rosenthal um, and Patrick Mooney in The Athletic from the last day or so is that the offer to Rizzo was a five-year contract to $70 million. So that would get him in starting at his age 31 season. It'll take him till he's 36 and it's for 70 mil. It would double about approximately what he has made in his career with the Cubs. So on the surface, it sounds like a, well, it is a lot of money. And I, I think every time we talk contracts, it, it seems to me like you kind of have to put this caveat out there with people. And the caveat is it is a lot of money for you and for me. It's a lot of money for us, for me sitting here, for Adam sitting in the studio, for you listening. $70 million is a crazy amount of money. And for most of us listening, it's an amount of money we are never going to see in our lifetimes. I, I understand that, but I feel like every time you have this contract conversation with people, you have to remind them of that, because as soon as you say something along the lines of, he is going to be underpaid if he takes that contract, and for somebody who will have made about $71.6 million in his career, if his career comes to an end after this season, that's what he will have made from baseball salary alone. million approximately. And guess what? He's been underpaid the entire time he has made that. And so, again, I know you're listening in the car, you're listening at home, whatever it is you're doing, and you think, underpaid at 70? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you have to take these things into account. He does something that none of us are capable of doing. He plays a sport at the absolute highest level that most of us could never even begin to dream about being able to play at his level. So I I think it's important to have that caveat because I know people roll their eyes every time you say an athlete is underpaid. But Anthony Rizzo, even if he doubles his career earnings with this next contract, has been underpaid for his career. The dude has probably actually been worth over a couple hundred million dollars so far for the Cubs since he has been a member of the team. Let's not forget, he did not get into the uh, eight-figure salary per season. And, And when you look around baseball and you look at what a lot of players make and have been making for a long time, that is really underpaid that he didn't get to that eight-figure salary until 2019. That's when he started to make the $12-plus million per year. But we're talking about getting through the 2015 season. He was awesome. And then the 2016 when they win the World Series. And ever since that point, 
this dude has has been criminally underpaid for what he gives the Cubs. And yeah, some of it is because of the contract he decided to take. You remember the $41 million contract that he signed a few years ago? That's probably a little bit less, and it was a seven-year deal for $41 million. He had a $2 million signing bonus there. And for him, that's a guy who was just looking for some security. You know, he had he had been a cancer survivor. He is a cancer survivor. And his thought process is, you know what? I, I just want to get locked in with some some money. So some money that I know I'm going to get for the next several years after this this health scare. And I don't blame him for doing that. And I think a lot of people might do the exact same thing if they were in his situation. But now seems to be a really appropriate time for the Cubs to pay that dude. Now, I know the counter argument is going to be, well, hey, Ronj, you don't, and I called myself Ronj, I'm sorry, you don't pay a guy for what he's done. You pay him for what he's about to do. And, you know, that's a fair thing to say. And I think that is true in 95% of the cases. But I do think this is one of those 5% of the cases where you take care of a player who has been one of the faces of your franchise. He has been one of the most important players and teammates in this organization since its, its founding since, since the Cubs organization has been around, Anthony Rizzo has been one of its most important players. You could say the same thing for Chris Bryant. That's true. But Rizzo's tenure has been much longer than, than what Bryant has given you. It's been longer than what Javier Baez has done for you. Rizzo, for all intents and purposes, has kind of been the face of this franchise, he, you know, even he's outlasted outlasted John Lester. Uh, he outlasted uh, Jake Arrieta, who happens to be back, but he outlasted him. He's been here longer than Bryant. He has been the anchor of this organization. And while you don't typically reward a guy for what he's done, there are some times I think you want to take care of a player who has done what he's done for you. And is still going to have some productive years left in him. You know what this reminds me of? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What's that, Adam? It reminds me of what the Bears did to Erlacher at the end of his career. They just offered him. I mean, it's slightly different, obviously different sport. But they offered him. They just offered him this small contract that was not anywhere near what he was worth, and there wasn't any negotiations. They said, "This is the offer, and that's it." And he's like, "Well, no, take it or leave it." Yeah. And then he, and then you know, the best player of the fran- for the franchise in the last what thirty five years, what just mm-hmm. walked out the door with like nothing. It, here, and there, are, there's another difference here too. Anthony Rizzo is still productive. Oh, Brian, yeah, obviously, er, or Brian Erlacher at the time was very much at the end of his career. He just he was not the same. He just wasn't the same on the field, and it was obvious in a lot of those games. And for Rizzo, we can go back to last year and look at the 755 OPS and the OPS plus of 107, which just puts him a little bit better than average in the National League. 
But I'm not going to take too much away from 58 games. I'm just not. I'm, I am more interested in what he did in the last full season for the Cubs in 2019 when he played 146 games and gave them a 924 OPS and a 140 OPS+. plus. That's what interests me. The reason I don't care that much about last year, unless there's some kind of injury that he's dealing with, that the Cubs know about, is going to hamper his performance for the rest of his career. You know, the back maybe is, they, they are positive. It's just not going to allow him to stay on the field. Unless they are projecting something like that, I, I, I can't understand not taking care of this particular player. Because I don't always think you you pay based on what you're going to do and, and not what you have done. For the most part, yes, that's how you operate, but not with a player like this. This is the kind of guy you take care of. This is the kind of guy that in his age 31 season who should still have a few productive years left in him. Let's say he does sign a five-year contract. There's no reason he can't be productive for at least four of them. And hell, maybe he's productive for all five. And don't forget, the designated hitter is coming. It's not going to happen this year. But there is going to be a designated hitter in the National League probably by 22, maybe 23. But once that new CBA is agreed to, that DH is going to be in it. So if it gets to the point where Rizzo isn't capable of playing the field every day, but is still able to produce for you offensively, well, there you go. Problem solved. And that could help him stay fresher for longer during the course of a season in his last couple of years of that contract. But, heck, as of right now, the dude's still winning gold gloves. So it's not like he's having too much of a problem. There can come a time here in the next two to three seasons where maybe health does not allow him to play the field and hit every single night. And maybe he needs time off from the field. Or maybe he primarily serves as the DH and only occasionally plays first base for the Cubs. Maybe that is what happens to him. But that DH is coming. And it should only prolong the amount of contribution the Cubs are going to get from him over the next five years. And again, I don't know what he wanted. I don't know if he is expecting $100 million, if he's expecting something closer to what Paul Goldschmidt got a couple of years ago, the five years at $130 million. I don't know if he's expecting that. I do know that he has not been quite as good as Paul Goldschmidt, but he's been pretty good. Rizzo's been a pretty damn good player, and, and, and Goldschmidt's been a tick above him, a little bit better offensively, and I don't think Rizzo would be worth moving forward if we're, if we're just taking this contract um, for what it is starting in 2022 and beyond that. No, he's probably not worth $130 million. If you take into context, uh, context what he's done for the organization in the years leading up to it, he's been worth way more than that. But I understand what happens moving forward. If it's a $100 million contract, if it's a $90 million contract that he's expecting, I don't think that's unreasonable whatsoever for him to want from this team. And I do hope he ends up getting it 
There are just some times you take care of your players. We're not talking about a 38-year-old dude that thinks he should get a three- or four-year contract and play into his, his uh, you know, 41st year of life. I mean, that's not what he's asking for. He's been underpaid. And I know the Cubs have allegedly lost money, as every baseball team has. But really, what are we talking about here when we say organizations have, quote, lost money during this pandemic? What we're talking about is teams have just not made as much money as they had originally projected to make in 2020 because of the pandemic. I highly doubt that any franchise in sports has lost money. They just haven't made as much as they were hoping they were going to make before COVID came around. I hope he gets his money, and I think he deserves it for what he's done. And it doesn't cripple the team. They could sign him for, say, $100 million. They could easily sign him for $90 million over the next five years. And I don't know if that would satisfy him or not. I don't know what he's expecting. We, we, don't, we don't have that much. What we do know is that he said he doesn't want to talk about it now for the rest of the year. And he doesn't want his agents to bring it up to him unless the offer from the Cubs in the middle of the season happens to be around what they were expecting what Rizzo and his camp have been expecting. And that's reasonable. That, to me, is reasonable. And let's be honest. Do we really think the dude's asking for, like, 150 or 200? I don't even think he's he's asking for 120 or 130. Maybe he is, but I doubt it. My guess is it's probably in the 90 to 100 range. And I just don't think that's unreasonable for somebody who's been as important as he is. And even if they do sign him and you think that's overpaid, the Cubs can withstand that. And they could still sign other players along the way. And they could still afford to keep some of their other free agents that are coming up uh, by next season. They could still do those things. Because this team is not in full tear down and rebuild mode and they are not going to be you can join the show tonight 312-644-6767 you have thoughts on anthony rizzo i'm ready to listen to him you can call or text the listener line is brought to you by betql bet smarter and beat the books download the betql app today or visit betql.com i'm chris ranji more on this next on the score T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. my friend until 10 o'clock tonight yeah i think you would because it's me i'm chris ranji and uh i'm on your uh radio your odyssey app or whatever until 10 tonight so we're gonna hang out until then how about it the number to call into the show is 312-644-6767 um you can also text us same number same exact number if you got your thoughts, and we will get to them. And and this is what I was talking about, and here's a text message from an 847. It says, Rizzo batted 220 last year. Do you want him stuck on Cubs for five years? And I, I guess I didn't get to finish this thought when it comes to, or expand on this thought, when it comes to the statistics and anything that happened in 2020. That was a 60-game season, folks. 60. Do you think it's unusual or unheard of for a player to have a substandard first couple of months of the season only to rebound and to end up the year where his typical totals are? Do you think that's unusual? Well, it's not. It's not. It happens all the time. And just because he hit 220 in a 60 game season does not mean that's who he is now. It is, look, in baseball, you hear people talk about sample sizes all the time. 60 games don't mean a damn thing to me when I'm trying to evaluate a player moving forward. It's part of a larger context of what that player has done. And no, I don't think Anthony Rizzo is a 220 hitter now because for 58 games last year, that's what he did. I think that's really short-sighted if you look at it that way. Super short-sighted. How can you evaluate anything on that? I don't you, you can't do it reasonably. You can't expound on that. I mean, it doesn't mean anything unless the Cubs are aware or they believe and they have good reason to believe that he's never going to be fully healthy again to the point where he can give them what he did just one season prior. I, again, as I mentioned about 10 minutes ago, I am more interested in what he did in 2019 than what he did in 2020. Because in 2019... He still hit 27 home runs with a 924 OPS. That interests me more. 
about trying to project what he's going to do moving forward. Again, unless he's hurt, unless he can't be healthy. But how do you know that? I don't know it. I'm not down there. Maybe the Cubs are, are fully aware of it. But if that's the case, why would they offer him a contract at all? If they're willing to offer him any significant money, and $70 million, the reported number, is pretty significant, I would think that means they are probably not too worried about his his back or his injuries moving forward. Because if they were, they'd just say, hey, Anthony, thanks for, for everything you did for us. Um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to move on from you because if 70 million it, it, okay if 90 million dollars is too much to commit to a player over the next five years then why isn't 70 also too much to commit to a player over the next five years if, if you're a baseball team that's worth close to four billion dollars uh I, I don't I don't see how that's gonna break anything for you it's not gonna break the bank for you Sure as hell is not going to prevent you from signing players you need to sign. Why can't you do both? Generally speaking, I am somebody who does not feel bad for ownership of any team in any sport about how much money they have to spend to keep a player. I don't care what a player makes. I don't care if a player gets $385 million dollars. I don't care, over 12 years, which uh, allegedly is close to what Francisco Lindor wanted. A completely different topic. Uh, But I don't care if that's what he gets paid. Why do I care? It's not my money. My tickets cost the same amount of money. If the Cubs have payroll number 12 in baseball, which is where they are right now, or they have payroll number 5, or payroll number 25, your tickets are going to cost the exact same amount of money. And it might even go up regardless. So it doesn't matter to me. I don't care if a team has a $500 million payroll. I don't care. My tickets are the same. The only way ticket prices go down, there's only one way. When you stop going. When you stop going for a long time. And the team says, well, if we want to get people in the ballpark, we might have to dial tickets back a little bit or put out there more uh, affordable ticket nights, you know, things like that, which I, I feel like is where this argument comes from for a lot of people when we talk about salaries. It's that people think, well, if they don't make that much money and the payroll is not $200 million, but it's closer to... 90 or 100 million dollars then it's going to be cheaper to go to ball games Mm-mm. nope that ain't how it works tickets cost what they cost when people are willing to spend the money to go that's why they cost a lot in many cases it's not because the payroll's high but teams will have you believe that the payrolls are forcing them to charge you more for tickets that is not how it works, friends. Not, not even in the slightest. This text from a 708, they should pay Rizzo, especially if the DH comes to the NL. That said, can Rizzo make more off the field here in Chicago versus another market? You know, I, I don't, I, maybe, 
I, I guess it, it depends on where he is. I mean, if his name is big enough and he's a good enough player and he seeks those sorts of things out and he wants that kind of stuff, I'm sure he can get that wherever he plays. So if it's in Chicago, if it's in Toronto, uh, wherever it is, I, I think he can. I mean, there are a couple of markets in the country where you can more easily get it, L.A. being one, New York being the other. And, and I think there are some teams that are just generally more marketable, like the Dodgers are more marketable than the Angels are, generally speaking. But I don't, I don't think it holds him back that much. And I don't think his base salary for the Cubs, he should cut them a break because he can make more money being in Chicago as opposed to being somewhere else. That shouldn't matter at all. The contract is what the contract is. And it should have nothing to do with anything else because the team isn't the one that's going to get his endorsement opportunities for him. That will be him and his agency. That's how he gets his off-the-field money. It isn't through the Cubs. It's through his own agency. So when he's negotiating a deal with this team or any other team in the country, what he can make in that market in endorsements, in marketing, should have nothing to do with any of that. Let's take your phone calls. The score listener line, as I mentioned, brought to you by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. We have Eric in Humboldt Park who is with us on the score. Hello, Eric. Chris, how are you, man? Thanks for taking my call. You got it, buddy. Hey, man. Yeah, I, I, you, you're right, man. Uh, Rizzo is, uh, you know, he's that one player that uh, whatever team he was on, he would be on. We were fortunate that he's a Cub. Um, you know, he should be taken care of, man, by the team. No question. You know, he, he he's just that player. And uh, I do believe that we find ourselves here because um, it's just my personal opinion. But, you know, when I go to Cubs games every year, you know, I go and I pay and, um, you know, I take, you know, I don't go by myself. I take a family member. I take whoever. And uh, um, it doesn't matter to me what I'm paying because I want to go see a team do good. I want to go see, you know, players like Rizzo. And uh, I think we're here because my opinion, again, I believe uh, the Ricketts family chose to value the outside of Wrigley instead of what's inside of Wrigley. Um, I mean, like, you know, the outside, how you, you know, it's completely different. You know, I believe it was always going to be a place where grandkids were going to say to grandparents, hey, uh, you know, I went to that same McDonald's you went to. I went to the Taco Bell. I came out of Wrigley. I went to the 7-Eleven. Just stuff like that. So I feel like we're here because of how much it changed outside that the Ricketts at one point said we have no money and we find ourselves here with Rizzo. And, uh, man, I just do hope that the Ricketts, you know, value Rizzo to pay him what he deserves. And I hope that there's a large group of fans who – feel the same way and I do it'd be awesome if uh, you know there's a group of fans that can make a push to you know force Ricketts hand in a way to say man we have to pay Rizzo well Eric uh, I, just I my pre- thoughts. yeah thank you for the call I, I I don't know if I see I don't know if the fans are going to have a, a lot to say in it I mean even if there's a lot of backlash from the fan base which there kind of has been 
over the last day. I don't think that's then going to make the organization go, oh, my God, we got to bring him back now. The organizations tend to just operate independently. When it comes to payroll and roster, they kind of operate independently of what people want, usually. So I don't think that's going to move the needle. And I understand what you're saying. I just don't think they're going to do it. I also do not blame them as an organization for building around the ballpark and making the the entire area around Wrigley Field a destination and to make money off it. You know what? That's great. You can do that. But I, I think what you sort of hit on there was the idea that maybe some of the investments and some of the debts they have um, they, they have they have now because of these ventures that are just in the adjacent areas to the ballpark instead of on the field itself maybe is is forcing them to dial it back a little bit but i don't i i also kind of think that it shouldn't matter like that that they've made these investments because ultimately for the team those investments are going to pay off for them and by the way rip wrigleyville taco bell i miss that place i that it's just that I, it's, it tore my soul out to see it not there the last time i was in wrigley that wrigleyville taco bell um I, you know, that is the one place on earth that I have waited longer for anything than I've waited anywhere else for anything else. Like, oh, I, for I, sure. The longest there would be four people in there and I would get out of there in a, an hour and a half. Yeah, it sounds about right. It was just that I place just... was a was an absolute mess. And I lived you know, my last couple of years in Chicago, I lived about a block away. And that Taco Bell, that 7-Eleven that, that Eric was talking about, that was my go-to because it was directly across the street from where I lived. So I needed something at uh, 2.30 in the morning. Uh, I could walk right over there and get it, whatever I needed. There it was at that 7-Eleven. And there's a nicer 7-Eleven now. But uh, I, I don't blame. Teams are doing this around the country. The Braves are doing it. Obviously, the Rockies are doing it. Baltimore has done it, where they have some kind of, of ventures or businesses or something just outside the ballpark. Um, and I think that's okay. What I don't like, though, and all of these teams are doing it. The, hell, I, I had been covering the Cardinals for the last few years. And... They do that where they say, oh, you know, all that stuff, that ballpark village, all this new real estate that we've all these new buildings and new businesses. That's not part of the team. That's just that's separate from the team. So, you know, come on. But but it's not it's not none of that stuff would be there without the team. I, I wish organizations would not do that to us and try to tell us that those things are not part of of the team because they very clearly are part of the team we'll talk more about anthony rizzo as the night goes on because i know this matters to a lot of people and it should what they are trying to do hoping to to get him signed but maybe not where he thinks he he belongs as far as the money goes and i think he might be on to something we'll talk about that as we move ahead but next we'll shift gears for, I hate saying shift gears. It's such a cliche, and I just did it. I'm sorry. We'll talk to Cody Westerland about the Bulls and Nikola Vucevic in his first couple of games. What are his thoughts? What are his thoughts on the team's direction? 
and how things are looking so far. Cody Westerland joins us next on The Score. And this game is over. Golden State wins at 116-102, so the Warriors have now won eight straight in the series. And the third, beginning of the fourth, kind of more in the second half for sure. Uh, I mean, their shot making was obviously very good tonight. You know, they, they made a lot of threes, uh, especially in the early in the game. And uh, I thought we started the game really well. We just never, you know, could get stops consistently to kind of, uh, you know, maybe try to build a lead or something. But in the second half, we, we had a stretch where we didn't score much, and they were coming in on the land and made uh, you know, shots. And, uh, yeah, just they were very good offensively. We couldn't get stops consistently, so that, that was hard to beat a team like that. Nikola Vucevic, a new member of the Chicago Bulls after the loss to Golden State last night. Uh, I'm Chris Ranji. They've lost uh, two now since the trade was made at the end of last week. Good to have you with me. I'm going to be with you until 10. And joining us now to talk about the Bulls and this uh, this new look team is Cody Westerland, who covers the Bulls for 670thescore.com. He is the editor for the fine website that we've got here on the station. And I'm not just saying it because, uh, well, this is the score. And, um, you know, like I totally mean it. It's a good website. Cody does a terrific job. You can follow him on Twitter at Cody Westerland. And he is with us now. Hello, Cody. How are you? I'm doing well, Ranji. Appreciate the good words. Maybe we get a few more videos of you on the website. It'll be even better looking and spruced up a little bit more, you know? Uh, do you do you have any videos of me in the first place? Uh, I don't have any professional videos of you. I think I have a photo of you in a cardboard cutout of Dan Bernstein. Oh, yeah. After after Terry yeah. Bowers' send-off show that was a, uh, was, was a memorable picture, just you and Cardboard Dan. Yeah, so I had a night with cardboard dan and i took him all over the city uh we we had terry's show and i took it downstairs to the bar that we we first celebrated in the 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 bar at the the bottom of the prudential building and then i took it with me to i think wrigleyville and i took it to a late night bar i took it to ties and uh he was all over man he was he was cleaning the bathrooms he was hitting on women (laughs) I mean, that thing, that cardboard Dan has had more fun than the actual Dan ever had in his whole life. For sure. And then he ended up in Shane's office, I feel like, for a long time, too, maybe afterwards. Or was that where he was before? I I can't even keep up with him, but he had many adventures. Ranji, you still there? I think we lost him, Cody. We lost. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we'll get him. We're going to talk (laughs) about This is what happens when we talk about Bernstein instead of the Chicago Bulls. Oh, can you hear me now? I sure can. Oh my God, you. that was worrisome. That's the first time I've had any real issues, you know, connecting from from a distance. Well, hello, Cody. I'm here. Nobody worry. Everything's okay. Um, is everything okay with the Bulls? No, not right now because they're playing bad defense, and I, I don't think that was unexpected, but. Uh, you get the acquisition of an all-star center in Nikola Vucevic, 
and then you have some of the same problems, that's just worrisome. I think it hits you kind of hard if you're a Bulls fan and a Bulls observer. So Billy Donovan was talking about that a lot today after practice, too. Everyone's making so much of these big man pairings, you know, because Daniel Tice is here as well. Wendell Carter Jr. and Daniel Gafford got traded. Bulls still can't stop anyone. Is it the big man's fault? And Billy... He pretty much went straight to the guards, Ranji. Like, he thinks those guys have to be better at stop and dribble penetration. So, I don't think anything has been fixed yet. The Bulls have a lot of time to, to do that eventually. I shouldn't say not too much time in this season because it's only 72 games, and I think they got 27 left in the regular season. But uh, these are guys that, that have to step on up on defense, and they got to figure it out because they either need to score like 125 a game on offense to, to cover their defensive problems or get a little bit better on defense. Well, we did kind of have the feeling going into, uh, you know, this this new Bulls era after the trade that defense might be an issue, but it seems like it's a little bit worse than it should be this early on. And I think most of us are kind of accounting for the the possibility that, you know, guys just need some time to play together, but I don't know if if that's the problem now. It's it. It, it really isn't the problem that there are newcomers, right? Because that shouldn't stop you from playing defense. No, I mean, this has always been the deficiencies of, of most of the team, though. And to be honest, they probably got worse at defense when they let Wendell Carter Jr. go and acquired Vucevic. Now, you take a massive upgrade on offense. You get a better rebounder, uh, I think, too. But from a points-allowed standpoint and just, you know, locking down, I can see how um that that could hurt them defensively and I do think if the Bulls like they played a pretty good first half I thought against the Warriors uh last night before it got away from them in the second half and such like if they just get to where they need to be offensively I think people won't obviously worry about the defense as much because like that's what this trade was made with in mind you know like Arturis Karnaschovas came from Denver they have Nikola Jokic the leading MVP candidate and no one ever goes wow he's a great defensive player because a he's not and b because he's like the best offensive player in the NBA right now so by no means are the Bulls anywhere near close to that or Vucevic is on Jokic's level but at the same time if you just step up offensively and see the vision happen there uh, I think these defensive problems maybe are mitigated a little bit more and the other thing is Bulls haven't done a good enough job defending in transition and it's because they're missing a too few many shots on offense you know uh in some of these games if you just make five or six more hoops and can get your defense set up that can make your numbers look a lot better so i think i think it should improve with a little more practice time billy donovan hadn't been practicing on off days very often with so many games but now they had an off day today and they practice they'll probably practice on thursday between uh wednesday friday games as well because he wants these guys uh, to, to get used to each other. And that's not a real hard physical contact practice or anything, but get on the court a little bit, run through some things so people understand responsibilities. And honestly, like maybe it comes down to playing Daniel Tice a little more. The six foot eight. Um, I mean, he, he's listed as a center in power forward. He's six foot eight and you're like, he's undersized. And then he hops up and blocks people. Maybe it's just playing him a little bit more um, and playing marketing in a little less even and just covering some of these deficiencies to, to get better on that end. Yeah, and I think that's maybe the biggest takeaway from Game 2 of the Vucevic era in that Markkanen started that first game against the Spurs after the trade, and then now he's coming off the bench. He's in that second unit. What what does that mean, larger picture for him, and, and is that permanent, where, where he's going to be coming off the bench now? 
Yeah, Billy Donovan hasn't confirmed or officially stated that it's permanent, but I would expect it to be the case tomorrow. And the way he was talking about it last night and today, I would expect that he's going to stick with this um, current starting lineup and Markin and coming off the bench for a while. And it means I don't think Larry Markin's a part of the Bulls' future, if we're being honest. If we have to pick one way or the other, it's it's no right now because he got demoted, and that is a big deal. And you look and you see he logged 22 minutes last night, but I don't even think he probably would have got to 22 minutes if there wasn't a little bit of garbage time in the fourth quarter. Like, in a closer game, Donovan would have played Vucevic the last four minutes, probably maybe even came back to him earlier next time when he gets some of these rotations down. So I think you're looking at a guy who's going to play low 20s minutes max here for, for Markinen most of the time moving forward. And that's just not a big role. You're not going to pay for that. And he's shot the ball pretty well this year when you look at his stat line right now. But a lot of that came probably in his first 10, 15 games or so. Like he's struggled more lately and he's just... He doesn't look like an efficient player, and we know that he doesn't affect games with his defense or his rebounding enough. Um, with his pick-and-roll defense, for example, like it's a disaster when Markkinen gets isolated on, on a player from another team. So, like, all the trend lines are pointing toward the Bulls, parting ways with him, and we already know he landed in trade speculation. So, uh, unless he takes a real discount or something funky happens in in free agency or or something crazy changes before then i would expect him to probably be moving on at this point so what you're saying is markinen should not be guarding steph in any moments of a game ever that didn't go well it didn't go well for hardly anyone guarding steph <laughs> i last know night on the bulls like they gave so much space on screens and stuff <laughs> like it was this Bulls team, I, Ranji, this is one of the worst NBA teams I've ever seen at navigating screens. And one of the things that reminded me of this, like, so you cover the Bulls, you watch a ton of Bulls basketball. I don't even think the other teams, like, play defense 100% on the Bulls all the time because there's a lot of NBA games and a lot of times they know they can score on the Bulls. So Zach Levine's also a wizard at getting to the hoop. So you forget sometimes, like, what great pick and roll defense is at the point of attack. And honestly, watching some of these college games, I know the, the ball handlers aren't as explosive. Like, these college kids are playing better point of attack defense um, and getting through screens a lot better than the Bulls are. And I'm like, I've never seen someone on the Bulls try to beat the offensive player lately through the screen and be on top of them and on their hip over the screen ever. They just trail them by like four feet or they go under and both of them are a disaster because they don't have a big man who can step up and play defense to, to fix the problem. Now, Daniel Tice can hopefully for the Bulls do that a little more, but like the Bulls are just, you run one screen roll on them, you have like four to eight feet of space in the whole possession. The Bulls are just playing from behind then defensively. Uh, what's the situation on Zach and his ankle? Yeah, it's it's not great, as Billy Donovan said today. And uh, his right ankle, he sprained it uh, last week. He's played through the last two games through the pain. Shot 4-16 last night, and Billy Donovan called him questionable for tomorrow night at the Phoenix Suns. Uh, and Zach admitted last night after the game against the Warriors that, quote, I'm not myself, you guys can see that, and that played a played into his inefficiency and it seems to be wearing on him a little bit more Monday than it than it did Saturday not just physically but just a little spiritually about how he he didn't do enough for his team like he's been saying I can tough it out and play through pain 
which we all agree that he can, and he certainly will. And I think if he shot 50% from the field and had 30 points, he would say, I should go play through the pain. But I think Zach probably last night realized me shooting four of 16 from the team or from the field isn't helping the team and I might need to take a step back. So he admitted he might sit out Wednesday night. That might be the best thing for him. Honestly, these next few games are so tough for the Bulls at the Suns and at the Jazz, who have, I think, two of the three best records in the NBA. Then you come back and play the Nets, who have a top three or four record in the NBA as well uh, at home. Like These are three games, if they're at if they're at full strength, they could still lose all of them. So I would probably just rest Zach on Wednesday, see how he feels. That's just me. Don't know what they'll do, but it seems to be trending like he needs to take a game off or so. Well, just in general, the Bulls have that they have what the like the second or third toughest schedule the rest of the way, right? Yeah, I mean it's it lightens up a little bit after these three games, but like you put those three three uh, three games on the schedule, that's really tough, and then. Honestly, they play a lot of middling teams, you know, like like teams that are yeah. kind of in that playoff picture still. Like I think the Heat and the Celtics are better than the Bulls, even though their record is their records are hovering around 500, for example. Like those won't be easy games, but I they might have one left against the Pistons, for example. But like playing the Pistons every other night and the Cavs every other night, like that's going to be done. So the so the schedule gets certainly a little tougher here as we go than maybe it was certain stretches. But I mean. When you're 19 and 26, like the schedule looks tough for everyone, right? Because you're seven games below 500 at that point. Yeah, the Bulls do play the Pistons on May 9th, but tomorrow uh, against Phoenix, nine o'clock tip, which the pregame show at 8:45 here on the Score. Cody, thank you for hanging out with me. I, I miss you and I care about you, and I hope to talk to you soon. It's been way too long, buddy. You take care. That's Cody Westerland. He is the editor of 670thescore.com, and he covers the Bulls, and he is excellent at that. We will take a break. We are late for that. A lot of people have a reaction on Anthony Rizzo not finding a deal with the Cubs. Nothing is done there, and he don't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk about it until the end of the season, unless they come to him with an amazing offer. Also, the White Sox, they're getting ready to start their season. Both teams will start their season on Thursday. Uh, we'll talk to James Fegan. Uh, that is coming up in an hour here on The Score as he covers the Sox. Are you ready for ball? You better be. You got baseball coming up on The Score Thursday. I'm Chris Ranji with you until 10 tonight here on 670. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.